This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South Soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mounds of South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer, not in the palatial 6A of the fan studios. And unfortunately, with the audio quality, we're we're doing this through Skype because we got to get something out to you guys. And it's been, what, like two months now since we've had a podcast? Because of Years. COVID. It's been years. It's been a while, yeah. Something too long. How's the coronavirus and quarantine treating you, gentlemen? Uh, it's been pretty good so far. I mean, about as good as it can be. I, I think, you know, everybody in, in our position and anyone's position right now is just getting a little bit cabin feverish, you know, and then just really trying to figure out how to keep ourselves entertained, particularly with, uh, you know, no live sports going on. I know that the the Jordan documentary was good for everyone in that regard. Just kind of we've, got, we've, got, we've got esports now, man. We don't need to watch sports anymore. Yeah, I was watching earlier today some, uh, what do you call it? The uh, the um, the pod racing or like the the um, uh, drone the racing? racing of the, yeah drone racing there you yeah. go I was watching some of that earlier. God, that sounds like it's going really poorly for you, honestly, man. You're watching drone <laughs> racing earlier. You, you know, to do. on the, it's like it's twofold. Like on the one hand, I'm you know we're very lucky to be among the people who are able to stay at home and uh, feed ourselves. And then if you look at a global scale. But on the other hand, like, this really sucks. Like, I'm super bored. Uh, <laughs> you know, I miss coaching. Uh, miss being with you guys. There's nothing going on. Like, I've been catching up on my front lines. I, you know, there's some Netflix stuff. Tiger King came out a few years ago. That was good. <laughs> a few years. You know, I don't, I, you know, it's just, uh, it sucks. You know, from, a, obviously, it's nice to be able to say, yeah, it sucks from the comfort of my own home, but. I am bored. I don't know what you guys are doing with your lives. Well, what's it? Atlanta United posted like the video the other day about, uh, I think it was like Emerson Hindman's goal or something from the Nashville game. And I'm like, that legit feels like it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the best Hindman video I saw from Atlanta United was the one of him where they said he could dunk, you know, and, and he just came nowhere close. It was brilliant. That was fantastic. I'm like, I, I, I'm like one day away from like a, a castaway Wilson situation. Where I'm, where I'm creating little friends around the house because I'm, I'm honestly that bored. I don't, we can't I don't think cut our hair. I don't think I've got a friend. I'm literally holding you know. a friend in my hand right now. His name is Wing, and he is helping me get through this quarantine. He's a little chicken. Oh, I don't think wow. I, I don't think I left the apartment in about three days. I think that's how, that's how bad it's been for me. Do you do you do you live by yourself? Yeah, I live solo. So oh, it's okay. even, you guys are living with you, right? Yeah, but I could, I don't know. I could see both. That sucks, too, because then I got to be around these idiots all the time. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's brutal. So, you know, like, you know, you want you want a happy medium, right? You don't want to be totally lonely like Eric, but you want to also be able to separate <laughs> yourself from idiots like me. And, you know, that you know, so that's where the rest of life comes into play. And we're missing that right now. So, you know, we'll figure it out. It's all about finding those moments where you can distance, where you can do those things. It's like I brought uh, Josh, you know, a few weeks ago, I brought you some Fox Brothers. So, you know, it's, it's all about so trying, nice. to, trying to find great. the right things to do. Where the F is my Fox Brothers, my friend. Hey, man, just call for it. I, I see. I see. He lived too far away. It's in this uh, 
in this in this triangle of love here. The, the, uh, you are the point got, of the triangle where you are is much further from us. Yeah, we're, we're, not, an like isos- we're not an isosceles. Not an, yeah, you are what? really far away, like this, Greenville. What do you guys is a good start. actually? Yeah, what are you guys actually doing to stay busy? Uh, well, I've been doing good at uh, working out every morning for the most part. Uh, but um, that's about it, man. I mean, I just watching TV and uh, I got just done with a virtual session with my, uh, one of my club teams, which was nice. But nothing, man, nothing. I, I don't. What are you guys doing? I mean, my company's kind of adapted a little bit. You know, we're trying to pretty much figure out, you know, any sort of, you know, shirts we can make for various sports. Like we made something for like the Michael Jordan thing. Um, just trying to figure that stuff out. And and we just started like making masks now. So luckily we've been able to stay, uh, somewhat busy, but can um, you make coronavirus references in the shirts, like mixed in with sports? Well, we've done that a a few times. Like we did a, uh, like a Dr. Fauci, like the real MVP (laughs) shirt. And he's got, got like a basketball spinning on his finger, like a, uh, yeah. Cause he used to play basketball. So yeah, I mean. (laughs) We're really just trying to, just like any other company right now, you know, Plug you're your trying company, to adapt. Man. And uh, yeah, breaking tea, man. Uh, you know, we've got good some, uh, we've got some good stuff. We've got, uh, you know, Joseph Martinez merch and things like that. We were, it was so sad. Like right before Joseph's injury, like we had an awesome new Joseph Martinez shirt, like ready to roll, like in the wings. And then bam, the injury happened. And so uh, luckily the design's pretty evergreen. So as soon as he gets back, we'll probably drop that thing. Yeah. But yeah, he's I mean, not it's missing just, as much time as we might have feared. So exactly, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. MLS could go on without Joseph, you know. Well, one, one, uh, one company we definitely want to plug is Lucid FC, our our sponsor. Lucid FC, a distinct, distinctively modern clothing line based right here in Atlanta, uh, reflects a deeply British American heritage design approach to clothing. Promotes freedom, fashion, gender, and role. Um, is br- the brand's iconic logo immediately recognizable? I see them do a lot of stuff on Instagram. Um, now they've uh, sort of developed their own uh, masks with their logo on it that I, I see all the time on Instagram now. Um, Lucid FC clothing, creative and functional. They got pants, hats, uh, sweaters, shirts, hoodies, all sorts of good stuff. Ask me what the FC stands for. What does the what FC is, stand yeah, for, what is, Eric? What does the FC stand for, man. And clothing and the perfect match for fans of football clubs. Uh, go perfect check them out, Lucid. Dot us um make sure you're checking them out on instagram um, and some of the retailers once uh, all this coronavirus stuff uh, gets is over with uh, make sure you're uh, checking out lucid fc and going some of the uh, retailers and actually go take go take a visit go to go to buckhead and see what they're all about um and get to know them the, the kids a little bit so are you guys going bowling on friday um probably not <laughs> going bowling on friday <laughs> Eric is super lonely. <laughs> I need to get out of the apartment and do something social. I even even if it's a bad idea, I think at this point I just I don't care. But there'll be more fun bad ideas than bowling. That's still pretty depressing. <laughs> I mean, you could find a restaurant or something to go Dude, to. Speak for yourself, man. Bowling is awesome. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of saying, if you had a place to go, you're quarantined and you're gonna make the decision. All right, I, I'm gonna, you know, some things are open, whatever. And Eric, choose. You, you've been, you know, like, there's there's a better, there's got a more fun place to go. I'm not saying bowling hours aren't fun, but you've been stuck at home. Are the movies going to be open, too? The theaters no. going to be open? Uh, well, no, they, they said can they open, but the... Uh, this whole thing is bowling alleys, and, and I can understand barbershops and stuff like that. 
Um, I can understand restaurants on Monday and gyms, but bowling alleys specifically calling out bowling alleys was was strange for me. But interesting, whatever. Yes. Not, I don't have control over those decisions. If That's it's true. if it's me, That's true, you don't. <laughs> if it's me, we're we're uh, we're shut down for a little bit longer. But it is what it is. Well, All right, you, we want to talk you earlier it. referred to the as this coronavirus stuff. So I know you're <laughs> very the true authority. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> um, the we've heard from MLS is uh, looks like they're trying to get uh, a, a return for June 8th. I think it's a little optimistic. Uh, I think we're talking about a, a season. If we're starting on June 18th, uh, 8th, sorry, did I say 18th? June 8th. Yeah. Um, we're talking about a season that uh, is probably going to be seen without fans. So it's going to be a lot of streaming for us. But uh, June 8th, latest return time for, for MLS, that's latest i saw was from an email from darren eels um stating just that personal email to you he's we we we're in touch dear, dear eric uh yeah well anyway no so have you guys noticed with the sports leagues all they're doing is giving you best case scenario right and then mm-hmm. they're moving it back moving it back you know so uh, i it's hard to say i mean but when you, i think MLS has some unique problems when you compare it to other countries. And again, we're going to purposely not get into any of the political or any of that side of this, but it's, it, it's a unique in that it's a big country, right? So you, in terms of containing the virus, you know, how it travels, it, 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 it could be anywhere, you know? So when you have so many locales across the country that you have to deal with on a human level, it makes it very hard to effectively have a season when you're talking about how large just the, the distance is between the cities you have to travel from. So I don't see how they can make it work any time in the near term because of this, the issues you face running a professional sports league in America in terms of the geographical uh, unique, unique parts of the league. What I could 100% see happening is it being played in one city. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so I, I, I think uh, baseball has talked about doing that. I don't know what the NBA – I think the NBA at this point is kind of a lost cause because it's just so far down the line that um, – Although I would look to the NBA for – to take the lead on whatever the, the trend, actual trend is considering they were the first league to actually say, okay, we're going to shut down. They're if also the first league to kind of do out. some of that stuff. Yeah, like I do think about they're, they're usually the, the league that's kind of at the forefront of innovation. Exactly. With things like that. If I was going to pay attention to a sports league saying anything concrete in terms of dates, it's the league that has said, given you no dates thus far. Yeah, and I'll say this about the NBA. We're going to see something, mm-hmm. I would assume, during the summertime. There, there have been some kind of reports about maybe basically just renting out an entire Vegas hotel. Um, you know, one of one of the big ones, and then maybe it's the MGM Grand, and then they have all their players there, and then they play in the arena, and you know, something like that. It wouldn't be long term; it'd probably just be like a, a tournament, uh, just to give fans some sort of content. And and baseball could do that thing where they're playing them all in Florida, playing them all in Arizona, or splitting the league in half and doing it that way. I mean, it's there, definitely going to take some innovation for sure in terms of how the well, season's going to occur. What I was thinking is that if if if, if Georgia is going to open up earlier than basically everyone else, then it would give MLS kind of a window to look at possibly using Mercedes-Benz stadiums as the location or maybe one of the locations that maybe gets the season kicked off. Considering it is, considering nothing else is going on, considering everything Hmm. is canceled, you don't have the Falcons, you don't have any, uh, 
nothing else. There's no concerts, nothing. So if you're if there's going to be a place um, that could host that many people, it, a city like Atlanta could be it, at least for MLS. Now, NBA might be having that same conversation. Major League, well, Major League Baseball obviously doesn't plan. Well, whatever. The point is, we could have a stadium set up for for uh, MLS to kind of use specifically if they're trying to get a season in in one specific city i think seattle might be another option but because they're kind of worse off than we are uh, maybe that's not the best option i'm trying to think of another basically anywhere else other than in the southeast right now i, I think, think a lot of places and then you look at the west i mean i think it it's going to more trend i think towards the places that got hit earliest they're going to be the ones that obviously just see the cases recede more quickly so then you'd be looking at you know, maybe uh, <clears throat> San Jose, you mentioned Seattle. I mean, uh, I'm not going to mention, I mean, New York City is one, well, but I, th- if, there are just so many things that would have to happen, you know. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen in like one yeah. or two cities. I don't think it's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, in a bunch of different cities. Maybe definitely a not, West Coast spot and East Coast spot or something. There's like definitely that. not going to be uh, uh, any fans in the stands. I'm convinced at this point that the NFL season, if it even happens, that's not going to have any fans in the stands. There's just, no way there's going to be fans. Yeah, I, I think that we're looking at a, a full calendar year starting from when this happened. That uh, look, I'm not, I don't, I don't look at. I'm just going based off rumors and speculation, but I, I got to think that we're going to at least at least a full year from now with with you know classes remaining online for the most part, no fans in the stands. Um, maybe by the the start of next season, depending on how these. Um, everything you hear about these, uh, uh, what do they call um, the numbers, the, the, the curve coming back curve. up, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's really on top of, I'm on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> Based on how all that goes, I got to think that, that maybe by next MLS season, everything's kind of more or less back to normal. Uh, but it's all dependent on how, how the, the, the rebound for this virus kind of takes hold of the nation i mean there's yeah i mean i gotta think there's gonna be some kind of a rebound hopefully it's not as bad as 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 we as they think it is but um i don't know it's tough well i think mls is going to be able to take some cues from the bundesliga which is reportedly going to start up here in a couple weeks you know uh that first week of may and obviously germany a lot further along uh europe in general a lot further along I think with uh, with coronavirus than than we are here in the United States. So I think that you look at what they're going to do, you look at how they're going to pull it off, and then you know you take cues from them and, and try to figure out how how we can do that here as well. Because you know I think that uh, Germany, one of the the leaders in terms of how they've dealt with this, in terms of how they've uh, you know done whatever they needed to do to, to kind of flatten the curve, so to speak. So you look at what the Bundesliga is going to do and I'm, you know, very much looking forward to watching, uh, you know, whatever oh games goodness. are on tap. I think May 9th. The Bundesliga. Yeah. I think May 9th is that date. Get and, uh, yeah, at, at, at this rate, I'll watch like FC Cone versus 1860. <laughs> I mean, uh, dude, the entire uh, country <laughs> just got around their television on a Sunday evening. Like it's 19, 19- 64 or something like that. For the that. Jordan thing, to yeah. watch that's a television program. True, yeah. That's where mm-hmm. we are right now. So, yeah, I'll take anything. But Bundesliga, uh, in terms of what you're mentioning, <clears throat> Sam, giving kind of a, a blueprint to go off of maybe for other leagues, I think they're trying to do 300 or less at all, uh, at all the grounds. Uh, 
a bunch of different social distancing, obviously, protocols that they can do when the players are in the locker rooms and things There's like no that. There's no spectators, right? I think I think right, until, correct. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like uh, they're going to test every single person involved right. so with the, the, the total game people are stuff. entering that stadium. Yeah, so you're mm-hmm. not going to have you know attendance of you know 300 fans that buy tickets. So it'll be interesting, you know. And like you also you know mentioned a good point, Sam, for context, you know, Jeremy. Uh, Seems to be a little bit ahead of uh, ahead of uh, a lot of countries on this in terms of how they've handled it. So they've been able to do this where they are able to get their sports leagues, or soccer in particular, back in gear. And now we get to see how these different protocols they apply work. And we'll probably see those the ones that do come to MLS. And then the, if anything doesn't, it gives you an opportunity to revise things over here when and if the league does get going again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all works. And then the, the, the effects of, of that, of watching the Bundesliga come back, and um, obviously we'll be around our TVs watching whatever soccer we can, but you, you wonder how quickly after that some of these other leagues start to kind of follow suit. And when you, you see the Premier League starting back up, you see um, La Liga pick back up. Hopefully we see MLS pick back up. Um, the only problem with, with, you know, just from the MLS perspective is that we're just – we're a few weeks behind basically all of Europe at this point. So you're hoping that in terms of the virus, we can kind of play catch up to get a sports. That's, that's the most important thing in the world, but hopefully in the context yeah. of, of, of sports, um, hopefully we can kind of get ahead of this thing enough to where we can start kind of yeah. putting the pieces back together and starting getting these specifically MLS back up. Cause um, I mean, I, I certainly want to see a season this year. Um, I, I still think it's kind of a long shot. I know they talked about moving MLS Cup to December and basically reverting back to what, um, the, what the kind of the season schedule was before last year. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to see these players be subjected to playing that many games in that quick of a time. I don't know how you condense the schedule because we played what, three games, two games. The schedule will be cut significantly. Yeah, they'll have sure. to figure out how to have some semblance of balance. I would imagine no and, interconference games for sure. And I, and it makes me wonder. It's like, well, if you're going to cut it, say by half, and let's say you're only playing 15 games, is that really worth it at that point? Do we really have a champion? Is it worth having a season? Or are you just doing it's it? It's worth it. Yes. You do it for the money, <laughs> if anything. But is, is are you just doing it just to kind of appease the sponsors and get? Is it more of a money grab than anything else? Um, because yes, some, some, and. I, and I don't care because I'm <laughs> to watch. So you can money, they can money grab away. I will watch any sort of soccer that they, they put in front of me. So, but the one thing you brought up, Eric, that I think if you're going to be optimistic about something is since the MLS had just moved their season back uh, and, and altered it where, where it's ending was ending earlier, as opposed to in December, you still do have that window where you can kind of flip it back to what it was in 2018 and the years previous to that. And, and end in December and still have a some semblance of an offseason where a lot of other leagues can't do that. So you do have kind of a more, I think, realistic ability to move the league back and, and just have a, the short offseason you were having before for some of the teams and then getting right back into it without, without your calendar really being affected in the long term. I would almost rather it be a kind of a modified, a fully modified schedule where, okay, throw out any semblance of a regular season that we could have in 2020. Sure. Yeah. And some kind of big tournament. So I, I don't know, like a. I totally agree. Like a mini World Cup. 
Yeah. yeah, something to that effect where, okay, it's clearly not going to be the same. This is going to be an outlier of a season, but let's make it make it worthwhile for the fans, worthwhile for the sponsors. Let's, like, put something into it that, that makes it more of a... I like it. Because you can't do 32 games in, the, in, in six months. You, you could regionally pool it, man. You could do, like, you know, Nashville, Atlanta, Miami, Orlando as one pool. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of do it, you know, around the country... Uh, with with four teams in each pot, and yeah, just just do kind of like a a World Cup or something to at least give people something to watch. I think in terms of like appeasing the sponsors, I'm not exactly sure how every contract works, but a lot of these contracts have what's called like a force majeure clause, where if like something outside of the realm of of or scope of control of these leagues, uh, you know, they they don't. It's not they don't have to honor the contract, but obviously. Uh, it makes things a lot easier. I know that that's the case with like um, for not for not fulfilling exactly your exactly. There, there's a lot of cases like even with like the the players unions, for example, the, in terms of like paying players. You know, a lot of uh, that stuff right now is up in the air. But one thing that I think MLS is even going to have to enact at some point, unless they get things started sooner rather than later, is that kind of force majeure. And, and players you're going to see are going to start taking uh, you know salary cuts, pay cuts, and things like that. And that's going to happen across leagues. And I think that in terms of like TV contracts and stuff like that, you probably have similar language written in. Because look, this, this is something that obviously isn't within the control of the league. It's not within control of Don Garber. Uh, Adam Silver, Rob Manfred, any of these commissioners. So I, I think you're going to see uh, leniency from the networks there. But at the same time, if there's an opportunity to get games on TV, you're damn right the networks are going to show them. So oh, for sure. there's I, something I, I, to have. I hope there's there's something they could do to kind of make it more of a, I, I don't know, I, not, not necessarily more exciting because it's already going to be exciting as it is, but um, more of a spectacle. like a, a different form of competition to where yeah. – this year, it's it's not the same MLS. Obviously, not the same MLS that we've seen in years past. Where I don't know, like you guys said, maybe it's more it, they group everyone regionally, everyone plays everyone regionally, and then you know those people get sent off to a, a tournament that determines yeah. something to that effect. It'd be cool to see that. I don't know, I don't know what what MLS can actually do um, contractually, but whatever. It'd be cool to see. It'd be cool to to have a a one off of that sort of thing, just to you know kind of deal with the circumstances and get games in. I do love that Joseph essentially hasn't missed, you know, he's, great. you know, if you can time an injury, an injury perfectly like that, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing what's, what's how he's able to one that he was able to get the surgery and two that he is basically recovering without missing any games. Uh, it's, it's sort of, the, sort of the same thing that happened to me. I, I tore my ACL. Before, yeah, it's the same well, thing that happened to you, right? How oh, is the same thing that happened to you? What are you talking surgery. about? I got the surgery, and then they closed everything down. So if I'd waited a week, I wouldn't have been able to get, to get the surgery. Oh, and so okay. now, and now every, everything is kind of, uh, you know, everything's been stopped. Physical therapy is the only thing that's basically been open for these medical practices, and um, it's I been fancy, by the way. To, it's good. It's getting better. Um, but it's been fantastic to, to to have gotten it as early as I did. Otherwise, I'd still be dealing with the knee pain that I was dealing with. And so I'm sure Joseph would have been absolutely pissed off had he still had not had surgery and had to go through all this. Wait until let's say August or September to to for these yeah. uh, uh, for these offices and medical practices to open back up so that he can get the surgery. And then we're pro- talking about possibly missing next year too. Uh, well, and, and you know, I think you know, even if Joseph does miss this season. You know, you already kind of mentioned this, Eric. There's already an asterisk by this season anyway at this point. So I yeah. don't think it, it has the impact yeah. 
that it could. Um, certainly on, for instance, uh, maybe Frank DeBoer's job, you know, in, in terms of, you know, if you, Joseph misses a two-month season, uh, you have two things that you can say Frank DeBoer, you know, he missed Joseph Martinez, and then he had the, you know, season that we put an asterisk on it. But I think in terms of what, and going back to what you mentioned, Eric, with MLS, uh, that they're unique to the rest of the world that the season just started. You know, these other leagues are trying to figure out how to get these other games, mm-hmm. and you got the EPL talking about just giving Liverpool the trophy. Um, well, they should. They won it. No, they should cancel it. I don't want them to win. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> Spoken like a true Arsenal fan. <laughs> no, 100%. Uh, but, you know, so MLS can do that, Eric, where they can get super innovative and, and just be like, we're going to get into groups and do, uh, you know, groups and then knock out or, you know, I, I, there's a, I, I hope that they're thinking outside the box because, as we mentioned to start this, the June 8th thing is just a kind of best case scenario. Now, yeah. And that's basically all you're getting from anyone right now. Uh, it's realistically, I mean, we seem to agree it's going to be a bit longer. So they might as well just start trying to think outside the box because they have a chance where they can get a, at least something fun in for the fans and also not lose the basic calendar for the MLS season, which is something the other leagues are not dealing with because they're already at the end of their season. So it's it's a unique opportunity for MLS. So I hope that they're thinking outside the box and – had we done any show prep, we could have had some ideas, but uh, you know. <laughs> well, we, I think we came up with a good one. Regional, regional, yeah. regional tournaments or whatever. The winners of those of those regional games move on to a to a yeah. to a next round. We just we just happened to get Nashville and Orlando in our region. So. There you go. Yeah, I mean it, it'd be it'd be <laughs> relatively easy for Atlanta, but we have to add at least one. What more. do you mean, asterisk by this season? We had to go through Orlando and Nashville to get into the postseason. Yeah, and Miami, it'd be what two? Yeah, uh, Miami, yeah, whatever. It'd be two expansion teams. <laughs> so really, whatever, three expansion teams. Whatever actually happens, no matter no matter who, if there is a season of any kind, and and there is a, a champion, well, we assume there would be a champion. Um, it's still not going to mean as much as as even if it's Atlanta, it's not going to mean as much. We're going to look at it and be like, aha, we won something else. Suck it, Orlando. But at this. I mean, I think more than anything, you look at something like this happening and it's, it's something that if you are like an Atlanta and you win it, it's just, it's just just one of those more interesting kind of things that it's like when the Spurs won the title in 1999 in basketball, but it was like only like a 50 game season. You know, what will happen. It'll be Orlando that wins it and they'll be able to hold that over everyone's head and we'll all look at Orlando and be like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Or I don't think there's no way they win, but maybe it's the year they make the playoffs, getting through a four-team group or something like that, and they're like, "Streak is broken, yeah, turn the tide." So, uh, one of the big pieces of news coming out uh, during this coronavirus stuff is the DA Academy, the Development Academy, shutting down, and the future of the U.S. Men's National League basically on MLS at this point. Good. <laughs> Quite frankly, I mean, that's how it is across the world. If you look at other leagues, there's, I mean, there are like developmental academies from the nationals perspective. I think Germany probably leads the way in that we saw that great team that really was really, really young in 2006 and kind of evolve into the best team in the world over the course of a few years. But 
I don't think having things controlled at that national of a level, it's, it's especially with as big of a country as the United States is, lots of oversight, lots of stuff is needed that, quite frankly, U.S. soccer has failed at for a long, long time. So maybe if you have more of a sort of working relationship like uh, the Bundesliga has with the, uh, the, the, the German Football Federation – where it's like, you know, both sides kind of working towards the same goal. That hasn't really been the case with U.S. soccer and MLS, but if it can become the case and you have the different developmental academies like Atlanta United's Academy, uh, you know, New York Red Bulls Academy, like, and all these different academies kind of identifying early on talent that they think could represent at the national level, then maybe you can have some sort of U.S. body come in and take it from there, but it's just far too big of an undertaking, especially with the size of the country for, I think the U S soccer federation to handle it. So quite frankly, I think this is a good thing. The the problem is, and I, and I agree with you, it, it this could go a, a few different ways in the short term. It definitely makes sense. I mean, I think MLS, particularly when you look at their academies, uh, at least, you know, I'm not going to pretend to act like I've actually seen enough DA games to make a comment, but at least from what you read was that a lot of the MLS teams were, academy teams were frustrated with the non-MLS uh, DA teams not being at the same level as them. Uh, and so I think some of the tension starts there. Um, the MLS academies are, I, I believe they're all free. Uh, so that's that's another good part of this that could come from this. Everyone at the highest development is is uh, <clears throat> not in the pay to play model. You got to get paid to play out of here, absolutely. But you know, but that and that's a bigger you know that's a bigger part of this. But I so in the short term, it's good. But at the same time, you know, you mentioned compared to other countries, Sam, in terms of the uh, academies and being able to recognize youth players. And I hate to be the pro rel guy, but. When the leagues are all connected under one pyramid, you can identify, you know, that means that there's an academy, there's not 26 academy teams, you know, there's not just an academy team for every team in the top flight in the Bundesliga in Germany, there's hundreds and hundreds of academies, maybe thousands, I don't know, countless academies nationwide, so it's easier to identify a player. So, on the other hand, can we call you Ted, by the way? Yeah, and I'm not even here advocating for pro-rel, I'm just saying some of the bigger issues with the with the US system that we talk about come into play here. And so on the other hand, you could be, and this was a criticism of, of DA, was that it was limiting the talent pool and that DA teams were not scouting outside of their pool to go pull other kids in. So you've got kids that came in and the younger ages in the program had just kind of stayed there all the way through. And in the most case, it, how are you gonna, you know, they're paying you money. You know, so it's with the exception of the MLS teams, it's hard to get to the level you want. So now you've got, yes, now the MLS side of it is taken over, right? Where you, the, those DA teams that were maybe criticized for not going out and getting players uh, the way they should have are out of the equation. But you have so many fewer teams now with MLS that you're really, really relying on them to go out and scout the community uh, the way I think Atlanta United does a very good job of, but other teams have been criticized for not doing because if you don't do that, then you're just narrowing the player pool down even more, which was already what, critis- what DA was being criticized for. So it, it, it could go one of two ways, you know. 
And and then I one thing I do think it does help is the level below MLS will have a chance to get more organized or, or below DA will have a chance to get more organized than it has been because you have this influx of clubs that maybe belong playing with other Georgia soccer clubs as opposed to against Atlanta United and, and that case across the country. So, you know, I, I could see this going in a lot of different ways. But but I think if you look at the short-term, long-term prospects, that's basically what you're dealing with. Short-term, yes, U.S. soccer is a disaster. I'll take MLS uh, <laughs> developing over them any, any time. But at the same time, by limiting this to MLS academies, you're by definition limiting the amount of talent that you have developing your highest level of club play. So it, it could go, you know, it could go in a, in a few different directions. I think it's I think it's good for the development of the league, and when it, yeah. especially when it comes to player development, because now all That's of a sudden sure. it is on MLS to develop the future of the U.S. Men's National Team. Now, if uh, if the U.S. Men's National Team doesn't make it to a World Cup, we look at MLS and we can point the finger at them, and be like, "What are you guys doing? Why why are we not developing any talent?" Mm-hmm. Now it's on. Um, you know, teams like Atlanta United, anyone that develops young players to develop American soccer players so that they can then move on to the next, to the next, you know, to, to the U.S. men's national team and, and represent the, the U.S. Um, in, in international tournaments. But at the same time, that's like you said, Josh, it's an enormous undertaking. And I don't know that MLS is big enough to really be able to, to be able to scout mm-hmm. the best talent. And, and you know, it's going to come a country and there's too many good players that that are going to go on the radar even more so now than i think before mm-hmm. uh, it basically it, it limits it just limits the scope and and now you're you're going to be pointing at mls and things don't go well but they're going to be doing everything they can with a very even more limited resources that 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 they have compared to uh, what the u.s soccer federation had u.s soccer yeah. federation if you might hate the pay-for-play model, but it, to an extent, it did work in bringing players in. You might not, you might not be getting the best players. You might be losing out on some of the best players. Uh, but these MLS teams are going to be very selective in who they bring in because they want to. They want their their teams to represent them well. Um, and there's only how many how many MLS clubs are we talking about that in 30 28 yeah, 30 yeah and 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 to be and to be uh, I should amend slightly they did say they're going to pull a few of the non MLS affiliated clubs into this new league but considering right here in Atlanta the two teams that were participating in DA UFA and Concord have already left uh and joined EC, uh, ECNL I think that shows you alone it's going to shrink drastically uh the amount the amount of clubs that are that are in whatever they call this uh, elite club league or, or what have you. I do think, you know, this is, you're right, Eric, it is MLS kind of taking on that challenge that they've maybe been criticized for, you know, in the past five, six years of not making, an, particularly the first teams, not making enough of a commitment to playing players from the academy. Well, now you say, look, these academies are by definition the best players, club players, uh, or youth players in the country. You bet. You, you got to start playing them now. So it really is MLS directly taking on quite a quite a big challenge. Um, and uh, you also got to consider that I, I, I and I forget whether NYCFC recently developed or decided to add their own um, kind of academy teams. I think they did, but that was very recent that they added that. I'm trying to think of any other um, any other MLS teams that don't have academy. Teams. They all have academies now. 
Yeah, yeah, and you're starting okay. to see the USL. So, so another thing, yeah, and I, I know we're just spitballing here, is though you've got these USL academies, and they're apparently going to commit a lot of money uh, to to the USL academies everywhere. So I look at it like if you can get those academies going too, then you would have academies anywhere uh, from Charlotte to Dalton, Georgia, where we know how much mm-hmm. talent there is there. You know, so I, 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 we just talked about in the last few years how USL and MLS have kind of somewhat more affiliated, you know, and USL now has their own system of leagues. So you, if USL academies can do what I think they're intended to do and get just more into the more localized level of things, then I think you could see pressure the USL academies, the MLS academies, uh, and then you could really start to see, I think, the an actual funneling of talent. Uh, in, in, into those MLS academies. So, I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts here and and, and um, have to wait and see what happens. But the last thing I would say about this is I think the next two to three years of players, if you're playing right now and you've been at a DA club, and and this is, for, this is not just people in, in Georgia because the UFA and Concord, very lucky that they were able to join ECNL, which is a great club league as well. Um, but there are a lot of kids in the country right now who have gone all in on these DA programs since they were 12, 13 years old, being told this is the highest level of development. And now they don't have a club and they and they don't know where to look because they've gone all in with this one club. Uh, so, I mean, it's a tough situation for the next, I think, two to four years of, of U.S. youth players developing. I think that you could see... Uh, a little bit of a drop-off in terms of where those players reach because there's so much dysfunction now in terms of where two-thirds or whatever of America's players playing in the in the DA League are going to end up. Uh, and I think you saw something similar uh, that resulted in, in U.S. missing the last World Cup, which had to do with when you went to the DA system, You that's right when that you have that big hole of kids from like 90 to 95 where the u.s really didn't produce anybody even for our standards you hope you don't have kind of a black hole of development like that again because that could really hurt the national team down the line if you struggle to produce players over a three to five uh period because of uh of uh lack of stability in in your uh, developmental systems yeah It'll be interesting to see how it all kind of pans out. Um, I'm curious to see how, really, more than anything, because you know we sit here and we're fans of the U.S. Men's National Team when 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 things are going well. I want to see how they how that how that's impacted and how um, you know how hopefully how things get turned around internationally for the U.S. So it's all kind of a question of, of how it all works how how you're able to you know acquire the best talent um and how that talent is able to develop under these under these teams uh, one of the other ideas that's kind of been developing over the last few months and i want to say a few years at least because uh, it's not the first time i've heard it but a merging of liga mx and mls i didn't know this until i just read it but it looks like <laughs> well has been paused in five Liga years. Yep. For five years. Good job. That's kind of crazy. So if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna do anything, uh, you know, in terms of a merger, it's sooner better than it might be better to do it sooner rather than later, uh, considering how Pro Rel is, you know, works in in, in Liga Mekis. I, 
it's it, 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 what do you guys think? I, I'm not so much sold on this because it's. I feel like you're you're gonna have a lot of MLS clubs that just absolutely get trounced week in week out. I think that you're talking about bringing in a lot of competition that's above a lot of these MLS clubs' heads. Um, but that's just one man's perspective. I think in the short term, you're absolutely right because the Liga MX teams are clearly on a different footing than MLS teams. We're also fundamentally changing the way MLS uh, MLS clubs operate on a financial level because there's no restrictions for Liga MX teams. So you're talking about opening everything up for MLS, and that's that's everything that we've talked about when it comes to uh, you know. Uh, basically doing away with the salary cap um that is added to the equation too where all of a sudden you're you're talking about potentially some of the 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 teams that are more financially struggling we're talking about them not being able to compete with anyone else we're talking about them losing revenue we're talking about um you know maybe teams like atlanta being able to go out and get even bigger players better players offer top world-class talent uh even more money than they can get in europe but at the same time, you're also looking at Orlando that can't do that. You're also looking at a, a national that can't do that, Cincinnati that can't do that. Um, and so they're going to be... And teams in Mexico that can't do that as well. And this, yeah, in this system, they absolutely get left behind. If you're talking about taking the super clubs of both teams and merging into one, that that's that's a different yeah. story. But that's yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's going to take a transition period for everyone involved. I mean, not just the MLS teams, but also the Liga Mekis teams, if this does indeed happen. And this is one of those things that... Every once in a while, somebody mentions it, and I think the reason it popped back up this time was because the president of Atlas uh, in Mexico mm-hmm. w- was mentioning it. As and, I just learned. Yeah, and I think that when, when you're talking about um, you know something like this, a big undertaking like this, I, I think in the long term, it'd probably be better for both leagues. It'd be better for MLS. It'd be better for League MX. And that's what he said. That's exactly what he said. Yeah, but I think in the short term, you would have to to, to deal with a lot of yeah. sort of uh, groundbreaking changes. You'd have to get everybody on board, but there would be a lot more money. I mean, if you combine the money of League MX and MLS mm-hmm. and, and spread it around, yeah, you'd have each team having more money, and the MLS teams would certainly have to get up to the depth and get up to the talent that the League MX teams have. But I think, you know, we've kind of seen that with Atlanta United a little bit, like not obviously the last time they played Club America, but in the Campiones Cup, you saw a team that at their best that could compete with a Liga Mekis team yeah. on a on a given game. And I think that that Atlanta United's kind of shown a little bit of the blueprint of what you have to do. And you just have to keep going forward with that. But if all the teams are dealing with the same amount of money, and granted, I think you'd have to have some stern talks with some of these MLS owners if this were to happen and and tell them basically either put up or we'll find someone that will. And if that doesn't happen, then yeah, I think I think you could have right. some problems. But mm-hmm. I think overall, in the long term, this would be beneficial for the health of both leagues. It, it would take a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Some, uh, some growing pains for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys summarize it well. I mean, it, in the long term, it, it, surely it'll make money, right? And, and in theory, it would be a very, I think, uh, attractive place to go play if those clubs have the money for a top player. And maybe you could actually compete uh, with those with the money with those two leagues together. Uh, maybe you could actually compete amongst the top leagues in the world. 
Um, on the other hand, you guys bring up the separation of clubs within MLS uh, in terms of what they're willing to spend, what they can spend. It's the it's the same in Mexico. Even I mean, the, and that's the reason they just suspended Pro Rel is is because the drop off is so massive uh, from from the from the first division to the second division, and that obviously includes clubs at the bottom of the first division as well. So so you've got kind of the, the haves and have nots financially already in both countries. So there's a lot of logistical issues in terms of how would you pull the leagues together. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Mainly we just have. We have no content, so uh, <laughs> we have to speculate about this. But well, it's, I, I think I, it's super interesting, and it's been mentioned. Uh, it's been mentioned quite a bit. There've been rumors, so be interesting to see where can, this goes. I, I keep thinking, though, just just like uh, you know, we had the conversation about pro rel and MLS and how these owners signed up for a closed system. You have teams, you know, in in Mexican, you know, across the Mexican uh, uh, system that signed up for a, a, a pro rel. Mm-hmm. Uh, set up so they had a chance to you know work their way up should you know should they be good enough should they spend enough money should they win enough games should they win enough you know titles and such uh, so you're taking that away for a lot of these mls club or uh, you know these liga mx clubs so mm-hmm. what what you say to those those teams at that point because what you're talking about is taking the first division and taking the only well the first top division in, uh, in the United States and merging them together to make a, a super league. But do you then make a new first division in, in Mexico and call it, because you can't call it a Mexican division. So what happens at that point? And on top of that, Liga MX is the most watched uh, league in the United States. MLS is, is watched much more worldwide than Liga MX is. Uh, but everyone, everyone that's, you have a ton of people that are watching soccer in the United States that are watching Liga MX. You have it's still fewer total eyes in MLS. Sure. Yeah. But you're taking you're taking the the you're taking the what am I trying to say? So the people that are watching Liga MX, those teams, they're now going to be cast aside and put into a different pot. And so all the Mexican teams that that, that kind of worked and, and counted on being able to rely on the system the mexican system as a whole now they can't rely on that it's a whole different ball game for them they have to be much more not that they didn't before but even more so they might have to be much more financially uh, responsible to to kind of keep themselves afloat i think that if you saw a lot of this if you saw this merger you'd see a lot of mexican teams kind of shut down because yeah i agree you lose a lot of fans you lose a lot of fans specifically in mexico uh, to that, I don't think I don't think the United States sees anything different. I think obviously the numbers for what this would the number the viewership numbers would look amazing, even more. So. It, it would it would be a big boom to to American soccer, but it would be kind of uh, it kind of be a facade because it wouldn't it wouldn't represent the the actual number of American soccer fans. It'd be it'd be a mix of of everything, um, which is a little in, disingenuous because. Ultimately, if you're if you're if MLS and, and American soccer is trying to move into something where they combine with 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 Mexican soccer, it's so that they kind of can elevate the game, elevate the product overall. And it's not necessarily going to elevate it. You're just combining the two. It's it's not going to. I, I I like the idea, but at the same time, I like how things are going for Amer for MLS and American soccer as a whole at the moment. I think that combining the two is just going to kind of create a whole different set of problems that I think is going to benefit more Mexican teams than than MLS teams. And I think if you're if you're, <laughs> I think it's I think it's a very 
conky Kathy thing to try to set up. <laughs> conky Kathy things don't generally work out well for the fans. Um, so that's really what where, where my mindset is on that. I, I would I like to see it happen. Sure, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it uh, as long as the MLS teams can kind of keep up. And we're not seeing, you know, half the league or the bottom of the table, half the bottom of the table filled with MLS teams and maybe one or two every year trying to fight amongst the the, the, the bottom of the top half uh, of the table. And that, I feel like that's where we'd be. We'd be, you know, we'd be looking at a lot of MLS teams and thinking, man, we, we absolutely suck. And unless there's a massive influx of cash into MLS, there's not... We already can't keep up with them in CCL. What makes anyone think that we can keep up with them if they were in a, a specific uh, uh, league with them? I don't I don't see that happening. Well, that's the thing, though. Like the the combination of the leagues would bring more money, you know, mm-hmm. to each team. The issue then, as I mentioned earlier, is that you know if you're Don Garber, whoever's running MLS or whatever at that time, you're going to the owners and be like, all right, you're getting more money. You have to spend it, and you have to reinvest within the league and within your own team. And if you don't, then yeah, there's gonna have to be some penalties and stuff because ultimately, this doesn't work if the owners don't buy in, and that's what I think the biggest hurdle is going to be. And, and my counter to that is that the the quick fix to that is to go buy more expensive better better players which sounds great initially but what happens to the development of the american soccer fan of the, the american soccer player when that happens all of a sudden and you're not going player right go buy someone that's already yeah sure go buy someone that's already a, a top talent and and go win all you've taken away the incentive to develop at that point by add by adding better teams to the pot right now mls i feel like is at a point now where um they can go and get you know, with the with the DP setup they've got, they can go and get these these high price these these top these top talent players. But at the same time, there's there's an incentive, there's there's a method to develop young players to then incorporate into uh you know into your 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 roster so that they can make an impact and then hopefully they can then either be sold off for more money, um you know make an impact on the U.S. men's national team whatever. The point is there's there's a, a method to developing young talent. In MLS right now, you introduce, you know, the all the Mexican teams that are that are above and beyond what MLS what MLS teams are. Then all of a sudden, you've got you've got a, a, a an arms race to get the best talent and say, well, screw you, kid. I'm not going to develop you because I got to win now. Yeah, that's, that, that's that's the, that's the same issue you see with a lot of the really big leagues around the world. Is you know, yeah. When you have that much money and that much pressure to win, you're not gonna you're you're not gonna prioritize the patience required to develop players. So, you know, you have you have to find a way to strike uh, strike strike a, a medium there. You know, just just but but certainly, um, I think the main thing you guys talk about is just getting to that point where you have that type of league and you're even dealing with those issues. Is there are just so many logistical issues and um, but it. Again, we'll see. It's going to be worse now. Sorry, you broke up. Oh, I said you, you thought that the, the travel was bad before. It's going to be even worse oh, with, with yeah. Flux of Mexico. Oh, yeah. You, have, you know, you imagine playing, you know, your home base being in uh, Montreal or Vancouver and having to <laughs> go play in Azteca, you know? I mean, it's be a wild wild thing just to think about in every 
every way conceivable, but it would be fun. It would. I wouldn't mind seeing it, but at the same Maybe time... Maybe just I- do it one year for fun. Like, once every <laughs> ten years, whatever, just... Not realistic. All right. Um, anything else you guys want to add before we wrap it up? And I go back to playing uh, Call of Duty? Yeah, I want to talk Zlatan uh, story. Oh, yeah. Let me get my Google machine up here because I haven't, again, as I said, we, I didn't, we didn't do any prep. Yeah, preparation is really uh, strong here on Miles of the South podcast tonight. I will yeah. say, though, that anytime you bring up Zlatan, it's probably going to be somebody being butthurt about something that Zlatan did. Yes. Is that is that where we're that going here, Josh? a good teaser. You're seeing these stories break out of L.A., and again, you're seeing these stories uh, in the first place because everyone is just has no content. And they're just reaching for whatever they can. And uh, so they're asking these MLS players, was Zlatan mean to you? And, and uh, the MLS players say, yes, he was mean to He was mean to us. And uh, I guess uh, the most recent story is from João Pedro, uh, was LA Galaxy midfielder. Uh, he's on loan now at some, some, somewhere in Portugal. I can't remember where. But, uh, uh, that after a loss in uh, 2018, 3-2 to Houston. Uh, and I don't know if you guys remember this game, but the, the Galaxy were in the playoff race, and they just they were 2-0 and just absolutely blew up and blew the game. It was it was really epic. It was it was it was a lot like Orlando. What you see with Orlando every week. And uh, apparently, Zlatan came into the locker room and he said, uh, "If you're going to come here to go to the beach or take a walk in Hollywood, just say so. I have 300 million dollars in my bank account and in an island." I don't need this for anything. The first one who says something to me, I will kill him. So first, excuse- that flex. I mean that 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 flex where you can just tell people I have an island. Like Amazing. I mean, what are you what are you gonna say to that? You know? Amazing. Yeah. So, but 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 you know, I just think you know when you look at what he's really saying, right? He's like he's saying I have all this stuff, and I'm not you know I'm not you know I'm taking this serious. Yeah, you know, I'm still busted. If, if anybody should be just chilling on the beach, it's Laton, you know. So, uh, you know, he's actually, I think he's sending, the message he's sending is actually, I have uh, no, no issue with uh, at all. And I think, you know, you look at the Sebastian Legette quote that we were talking about this earlier today, because we were just remembering that a few of these stories had kind of broken uh, over the last month. And uh, basically he, <laughs> Sebastian Legette, who was initially mad because uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a game pushed him out of a wall. Basically, when there's a free kick, and he tried to get in the wall, and Zlatan shoved him away, and uh, he was very upset about this, uh, Mr. Legit. And <clears throat> then he had this bizarre quote uh, that he gave, where on the uh, Benny Fellhaber's uh, Salzburg podcast, which is really good, by the way. No, I think we've lost Josh. Oh boy, you gotta love these Skype calls. Here we go. He's back. If any, you guys got me, good stuff. Yeah. Right. Good stuff. <laughs> Hopefully this monologue is worth it. Uh, anyways, so Legit says, uh, the way I like to explain Zlatan, basically, if anyone ever asks me, is he a good guy or a nice guy if you're not his teammate, or if he is, and he says, obviously if you're on the field and you're in a... <laughs> man, this is just fantastic. I'm <laughs> 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 the needle, man. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. I get, but, like but Eric being, and I are watching this. There you go. Josh is back again. But being his teammate was very difficult. 
So what a bizarre thing to say that he has God, a mentality where any. You got to start the quote from the beginning. Yeah, you got to start what? over, do we? Oh my God. <laughs> go, 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 go. Don't skip a beat. Yeah, read the quote, Josh. Do we, did he freeze again? Oh, man, this might just be time to hang it up, man. <laughs> just say the quote? No, this is the best. I love this quote. All right, go ahead. Quote. All right, so, okay, so Sebastian Legette. Okay, so he's mad about Zlatan being mean, uh, being mean to him. And, uh, and, and he, he's talking about, basically, uh, if it's harder to play with him or against him. And so, uh, basically, he, he says... Obviously, if you're on the field and you're an opponent, got that mentality and the will to do anything to win. Awesome, right? I think that's something I took out of him that I like. It actually was contagious. But being his teammate, it was very difficult. What does that mean? So is he saying that Zlatan's a bad He has the will to win, will do anything to win, and it's contagious. But since he's being mean to his teammates, uh... He's a he's a bad teammate, and I just think it looks so pathetic and so soft on MLS for these players to come out and criticize Zlatan uh, for for basically doing what he's done his entire career. And even if you and if you look even deeper, yeah, it's brash, but the message he's sending is the same, right? I'm so the as big power. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. Look at LA Galaxy, and you look at the way they've gone while Zlatan has been there, it, it looks and feels like you've got Zlatan, the, the, one of the greatest competitors, the, the I want to win, I'm the greatest guy of, of all time, surrounded by a bunch of guys that are like, yeah, I'm here, we're playing soccer. Okay, exactly. It's not, you don't have that with, say, NLN United. You've got Joseph Martinez, who is that sort of player, the, one of the greatest competitors you'll ever see. But he's surrounded by other guys that are also incredible competitors. They're not—they're not guys that are just kind of there to get a paycheck. Whereas LA Galaxy feels <coughs> as though they're just guys that are kind of huddled around the greatest player of all time. And it's like, okay, I'm gonna watch this guy, and then I'm gonna try to do my job, and then I'm gonna go back to watching that guy because he's the greatest player that, I, that we've ever seen. But they—they don't have—they yeah. don't have—they don't have a—they a, don't have the same. It feels like, based off that quote, because if you did have that competitive edge, if you did have that competitive mindset where I, I have to win everything, I hate losing, that's not, those, aren't, those aren't the quotes you'd hear. You'd hear he's the greatest competitor I've ever been around. I want to be more around him. I want to be, I want to, you know, I want to please Zlatan. I want to please the, you know, I want to be able to do everything he asks of me. I want, I want to be the best teammate right. he's ever had. You'd have more of those quotes as opposed to, yeah, he was, mean the locker room and it just well that's why building a team building a team is hard you know building a team is not easy and i think that you know when you're looking at the mentality you want your team to have if you bring in a guy like zlatan who everybody knows what zlatan ibrahimovic is like you're not you're 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 not you know reinventing the wheel you're not uh you know all of a sudden breaking news here that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is super confident in himself and he thinks you know the world revolves around him so if you bring in a player like that you better have a team that has a mentality very similar to that. And that's why I think Atlanta United's done a great job uh, in terms of surrounding, you know, a guy like Joseph Martinez with players that have similar mentality to him. Whereas you look at what the Galaxy did and you bring in a guy like Zlatan, you have to be careful because this is a guy who has competed at the highest level wherever he's gone, played in Champions Leagues, 
uh, played for you know La Liga titles, played for Serie A titles. I mean, the top of the top of soccer, and so the the, the highs he's experienced in the game are nowhere close to what a Sebastian Legette has accomplished. So yeah, there's always going to be that, like, you know, this guy has, has done it all and he, he has played in these environments and it has that mentality. Whereas the rest of the guys, like his kind of Eric was alluding to on that team might not have that same yeah. drive, might I not think, have that same thing. And it goes, I think just to show on a kind of a fundamental level, when people talk about, uh, MLS, the pressures of MLS being a little bit different because of the, the terms of the postseason, and also I think just the culture of the sport being a little bit different. And I think you see a good example of those two things clash with someone like Zlatan, who, as you said, Sam, has always been like this, and everyone always know that, kind of rubbing teammates the wrong way when he was one of the most productive you know, strikers we've seen in MLS history. So I think it goes to show... And I, I softness is right, not the right word. But when people talk about comparing MLS to other leagues and they talk about the pressure and how it's not even more or less, but different, I think that's kind of that coming to a head is, 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 is in the most clear way possible from a guy like Zlatan who's not going to pull any punches. It's a general attitude within the league that's going to have to change going forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, we don't have that kind of drama where, where even last year where, where Joseph was was at his hottest. Um, you had people in the media asking about, you know, his 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 anger, his his uh, outbursts on and off the field, um, and and everyone took it in stride, knowing that that was just part of the competitive nature yeah. uh, of Joseph Martinez's character, and everyone was is just as competitive as he is in terms of wanting to win, in terms of wanting to succeed as, as this, at this club. Um, so I was glad to see that we don't have anything like that, and that you know everyone sees Joseph uh, for what he is. Not to compare the two, but. He, you have similar mindsets in those two players. Um, so, well, I just compared the two, so whatever. Uh, make sure you check out Lucid FC. Uh, again, they're making the masks. So if you want to go check out their masks, um, they look pretty cool. They're, they're of the material that uh, you need in order to... I, I heard somewhere that if you if you shine a flashlight through your mask, you can see the light on the other end, that it's not even worth putting it on. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that is know? true. I, I have heard this. I, I've seen so many masks that people are kind of put together. I'm like, you're not doing anything, man. To the point where I just I decided I'm not wearing a mask. Very anti-coronavirus. More power. Eric to is you. struggling, man. Eric <laughs> is really struggling. <laughs> Maybe it's so, better to live with idiots. <laughs> uh, all right, that does us. Uh, you can find me at Eric G. Quintana. Tell them how you can find you guys. At Sam J. Franco on Twitter, and uh, you know, I guess as a parting shot, just uh, if you're if you're gonna be like Herrick, then uh, you know, stay home. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by, uh, and you can find me at Josh B914 on Twitter. If you would like to hit me up on Call of Duty, give me someone to talk to. Oh my play with. God, this guy is really at your struggling. Holla <laughs> at your boy. Alright, good to see you guys. Until next time. Hopefully sooner rather than later. See you later, Lana. <laughs>